The Memphis Grizzlies had the return of one of their key players to their roster, Jaron Jackson Jr. in New Orleans on Tuesday night. The Block Panther, as he's lovingly called, put on quite the show, but there was still a player that was notorious by his absence or his absence stuck out like a sore toe, should we say? Uh, let's talk about it on this episode of Locked On Grizzlies. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another wonderful installment of Locked On Grizzlies. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mullinax, joined once again by my partner in crime, Mr. DeMichael Cole. Wonderful to have him uh, back on the show with me. DeMichael, you look well-rested. I'm sure that's not accurate, given all your travel that you've done in the last couple of days. But you're looking as suave as ever. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm great, Joe. I, I mean... Uh, we got to go to the Big Easy. You know, it's my first time uh, yeah. taking the trip to NOLA. Um, so it was, it was it was fun. I got some great food, you know, down there. The oh, yeah. Had Louisiana culture, right? Just uh, mm-hmm. went to a couple places and, and got some of the good food down there, yeah. some of that food that'll, that'll put you to sleep. So I had to, had to remember I had to get back up for the game in an hour or two after eating some of those meals. But overall, uh, great experience. Can't wait to get back down there. And um, probably going to be two teams that we talk about meeting a lot over the course of time. Unfortunately so, right? Um, maybe not in, in terms of competitive basketball. If you like watching basketball, maybe not, unfortunately so. But for my hairline in particular, uh, and the hairline of the collective Grizzlies fan base, uh, potentially not so much. Thank you so much for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen today and every day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are available anywhere you get podcasts. We are also available literally anywhere that you can find us on YouTube. Uh, we are going to start getting into YouTube shorts here soon. Rate, review, subscribe, all the different things that you can do with YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. It is much appreciated here on Lockdown Grizzlies. So a lot of things that we can dive into coming out of that game, a loss for the Grizzlies in New Orleans, but that in the short term kind of stung, right? Because Grizzlies fans don't like losing to the Pelicans. We'll talk more about that in the final segment. But in terms of long-term stuff, there were more important things that happened than one random loss on a Tuesday night in the Big Easy. The most important thing being the return of Jaron Jackson Jr., which you have hinted at, you sly dog. I think you knew, Mr. DeMichael Cole. You had some inside track on that. You don't have to give away your sources, you sneaky guy, you. But, you know, every once in a while on a Lockdown Grizzlies, you would hear a DeMichael, don't forget about Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron Jackson Jr. still around. Look out here. Oh, oh, he's doing three on three now. You, you Again, you're not going to admit to it. You might as well be a, a secret agent there. But <laughs> you knew that Jaron Jackson Jr. was arriving sooner rather than later. And especially on the defensive end, he looked like he hadn't missed much time at all. It, right. I mean, the defensive end, you know, is where he, he made his, you know, his his presence felt to most. And, you know, there's a saying, right? I think it's more of a football saying than it is a basketball, but it still applies the saying. And, and it's the, the saying that goes, defense never slumps. So, you know, you have the shooting woes. Shooting comes and goes throughout the course of a season. You have hot stretches. You have cold stretches. 
and things like that. Same thing, you know, in football when you're talking about weather affects offense and all that. But defense, you either have it or you don't. It's will. It's effort. It's energy. It's passion. And Jaron Jackson Jr. has a lot of those things and talking to him after the game, you know. So I'm like, uh, just doing, you know, what I've been doing so far in my career. And when you think about all the things where he has to, you know, still figure himself out uh, and and get back, you know, up to 100% where you talk about comfortability where he's on the court, it's things like conditioning. It's it's knocking off, you know, some of the rust. And, and that comes, I think, more with shooting and stuff like that. Game speed isn't an issue with him. This is a five-year guy, right? Like, this is a guy who is, is he's been around. Uh, he knows, you know, game speed really well. He knows he can step on the court and step right in into that uh, segment of the game. But overall, you know, it's a long way to go. I think people should, you know, be very patient with his process. He actually, just talking to him after the game, one of the things that he said to me was about how, you know, uh, he just was ready to get that first one out the way. Oh, so, so keep that in mind. This has been what everyone's been talking about, right? Oh, Jaron's on the way back. Jaron's on the way back. When's Jaron going to get back? And he gets in, and Steven Adams is in foul trouble. Santi Aldama's in foul trouble, so I'm sure they ended up actually even playing him a couple more minutes than they wanted to. Uh, but, you know, he got the first one out of the way, so now we'll see how he continues to progress. But, yeah, the defense, five blocks. I mean, at one point, Joe, three blocks in the first half and three points. I mean, it looked like he was going to keep pace with the blocks with the points uh, second there. But overall, I think it was a solid start. Offensive struggles, yes, but uh, that was expected, you know, from me personally. I think that's where it's going to take a little more time than on the defensive end. Ben Wallace style, right? Having more blocks than points, that sort of style of play. Or Tony Allen, more steals than points. Um, in my watching him, and we'll talk more about his offense in the next segment, because, again, it sticks out like a sore toe. Desmond Bain not being around, somebody's going to have to fill that void, and void, excuse me, and Jaron is the one that makes the most sense. But we'll save that for the next segment. I was excited to see him back out there and how active he was. You talked about the game speed, how that wasn't really an issue for him, especially on the defensive end. I noticed it with his energy on the glass in terms of rebounding. Uh, His numbers maybe won't jump out at you in terms of him being impressive. Six rebounds in 25 minutes of play. You know, maybe that's not super exciting to you. But for me, as somebody that has watched Jaron play a lot of basketball, and I know you have as well, DeMichael, that's not something that you normally see him actively try to do, or at least in the past, it's not something that he would actively try to do. But I noticed a concerted effort, especially on the offensive glass, to go and try to get rebounds, to go and try to get tip outs, to go try to be more of a help in that particular area. And that more than anything tells me he's healthy that he has the capacity to physically go and put forth that effort to put himself out there for the team in a way that he's not totally comfortable doing. You know, it's similar to John Conchar needing to shoot more, which I'm sure we'll talk about more here in a few (laughs) minutes, but it's being coachable and understanding the tenor and tone of your team. They need him on the glass. And I saw a concerted effort in that. Even if that's not consistent, at least we know he's healthy because he was physically capable of doing that thing outside of his comfort zone. Yeah, see, and and one thing, you know, I've talked about it on here a lot, too, you know, when we, we talked about just his progress. And one thing is he's been physically healthy for a while. Uh, mentally, 
that's where the adjustments come into play because the foot, you know, as Jared Jackson said, it's it's tricky. It's tricky. Why is it tricky? You know, I've talked about it, you know, we, when we had uh, the interview with the foot specialist and he mentioned that, look, he usually tells, you know, sports players who suffer, you know, stress fractures, it only takes about six to eight weeks to for the foot to, to heal. So theoretically speaking, Jared Jackson Jr.'s foot, like physically probably felt good to him at some point. I'd probably say, you know, like September, October, you know, his foot felt good probably at that point. But after that, you know, you have to factor in the fact that the doctors aren't going to clear you at that point because there's the huge buildup, the ramp up. And that's uh, the biggest thing to take from this situation, even not even just now going forward. I think the next question people want to know is how will the Grizzlies handle this? Well, it's all up to the doctors and it's a day by day thing. So, for example, after the game, Jaron Jackson Jr. was getting extra treatment. He's one of the last players to come out of the locker room because of that. Uh, he spent some extra time, you know, with the, the medical staff after the game just to get extra treatment. Nothing, you know, concerning, but it's just part of that process of the return to play. Uh, will he play in back-to-backs? All those type of things. Those are the things that have to be answered right now. I think he will. I think it's just they're going to monitor it day by day. Hey, how is it progressing? Does everything feel good? Because – at the end of the day, his foot has felt like good to him for a while, but he's he's made it up in his mind, and he kind of talked about this too. Is uh, that hey, you know, it's out of my hands. You can't you can't really listen to yourself when it comes to something like a foot or knee, because in his mind, oh, my foot's good, right? Like I can go play right now. I can go do a windmill dunk, and in the minds of the doctors, it's like, hold up, let's get you to three on threes. Then let's get you to five on five, man. Let's get you dealing with some physical contact up and down before you get to that final step. Lots of pieces to the journey, right? And just because you're cleared by a doctor in terms of the foot being healed doesn't mean you're cleared to play basketball at the highest possible level in the entire world. So I do think that's important to understand. I'm excited to watch him continue to ramp up as the days and weeks come up. We thought we were going to get a healthy starting five for the first time in like forever, it seems. But as one star returns, another one heads to the bench. Who in the heck is going to replicate what Desmond Bain brings to the Memphis Grizzlies offense? We're going to talk about that more next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. But before we get to that, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Right. And I know you can you and I can relate to that to Michael. Our listeners can relate to that. Uh, Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship or becoming a parent. Whether or not you've actually been in therapy personally, talk about the broader benefits of these issues with the help of better help. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists that are available 100% online, plus it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash locked on NBA. Desmond Bain is out. Womp, womp, womp. Again, you get the good news of 
holy Toledo. Thank goodness. Wonder, wonder, miracles and miracles. Maybe the defense will be better. Jaron Jackson's back. And now the offense is going to go into the crapper because Desmond Bain's not there. And you and I have theorized how important Bain is to the offensive production of the Memphis Grizzlies. We've talked about that before. Unfortunately, we're going to see it in live action now, DeMichael, with the absence of Bain. Jaron Jackson Jr. is the natural candidate to fill that void. But Jaron's offensive game, I think, is the area where he's going to have to have some time and patience in terms of ramping up. He was 3 for 14 from the field against the Pelicans, 0 for 7 from beyond the arc. Jaron's three-point shooting hasn't really been strong the last season or so in terms of efficiency at least. But at the same time, you expect a little more than not making any. I think that'll improve. But there's going to have to be other guys that step up in the absence of Desmond Bain. Um, I know someone who I'm going to talk about. Maybe you'll talk about them first. Well, I, I, I know um, who you're going to talk If about. you're a loyal listener to Locked On Grizzlies, know Joe's you, gonna know, you know, you know where I'm going with this. All right? I can't stress that was my Stephen A. impression. I don't know if that was – you know, right? <laughs> Maybe that wasn't very good. Um, if you're on YouTube, you're probably – your eyes are bulging out of your heads. Um I know where I'm going to go with this, DeMichael, but I'm curious as to where you think this kind of lines up in terms of how you you can't replace Desmond Bain. He's an all-star caliber guard at this stage. Taylor Jenkins said it himself. Right. How do you recreate him in the aggregate, to use some money ball terminology? How do you recreate him in the aggregate? It's it's tough. Uh, I mean – I want to be very careful with my words right here because this is this is something I've I've kind of said around the edges for a while, but it, I'm not saying that he is more important than John Morant. By I want to make that clear. That's not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> but but I will Spicy. say this: with with John Morant, when he goes out, you have Tyus Jones, who is the highest paid backup point guard in the NBA. When Desmond Bain goes out, you're putting in John Conchar, who's an undrafted guy. I mean, a really solid player, but there is a bigger drop-off from Desmond to John Conchar than there is from John Morant to Tyus Jones. That's all that I'm saying. And because of that drop-off being more noticeable, the impact on the team is more noticeable when Desmond Bain is out of the game. The Grizzlies are now 0-3. This season, uh, without Desmond Bain, 99 points per game. I think when he plays, they're averaging about 117 per game. 13 three-pointers made per game when Desmond Bain plays, only about eight when he doesn't play. So this is a guy is a huge deal. But just to focus it on one player, I know which guy you're probably going to highlight. I'm going to start it with Dylan Brooks because uh, I talked to Dylan Brooks in the locker room. And I asked him, I said, do you you do you feel like, you know, no Desmond Bain, do you feel like there is more of a burning, more of a, you know, emphasis on you yourself to be a bigger part of this offense? And, you know, he, he kind of went about it two ways. He did say, yes, he does. But he said, it's not going to come down to one guy. It's all about the team sharing the basketball, everyone getting involved, and everyone chipping in you know, to making this thing work. So Dylan Brooks is the guy I think, you know, he can't shoot 7 of 18, 7 of 19 from the field. Uh, he's going to do that a couple times, but you need more, you know, you need better performances from him. I, clearly he's shown he can get to the free throw line. 
You need him getting to the free throw line consistently. You need him, you know, knocking down those open three-pointers, even if he has the hottest stretch of his career for the next two or three weeks, just for when Desmond Bain gets back. You need that right now. You need Dylan Brooks to play with that second unit in that role that Desmond Bain usually plays because that's where a big drop-off is going to happen too. Uh, when that second unit comes in and they're using this nine-man rotation, so one of the guys, one of the starters plays with the second unit, that's probably going to be Dylan Brooks now. That's where he has to make his impact. And overall, uh, Desmond Mann is a huge, you know, huge loss. Uh, I, I think it'll be good if they tread water, you know, in this stretch without him. Treading water would be four and six, five and five, that sort of thing. And I think that would be, you know, they lose one game in the win-loss column without Desmond Bain. I think that's a big win. I, I, I agree with your assessment, and I'll say it. I do think that Bain – not more important than Morant, but as you said, he's more irreplaceable because Tyus Jones is one of the best, if not the best backup point guard in the National Basketball Association, and the backup to Desmond Bain is John Conchard. Now, got to center myself here. Um, okay, I think I'm ready. John Conchar Uh-oh, here it is. is a player for the Memphis Grizzlies who I – am tired of seeing excuses made for. Uh-oh. Okay. Uh, I I think that there's, you know, selective confidence with Conchar. And I am going to hold him to the standard of his contract extension, if that makes sense. No, this is makes- a dollar and cents league. Okay. This is dollars and cents. John might have a great personality. He might be hilarious. He might have all those things. And I think he's a good basketball player. I'm not even mad at the extension. I think he deserved the extension. But, dude, you have to play when the team needs you. You have to be in a position where you are going to step up in the absence of other players. And your money suggests that if you are a starter or if you are a key rotation player on a team like the Memphis Grizzlies – who people are coming out of the woodwork now saying are possible NBA Finals contenders. Woj said it today. Adrian Wojnarowski on ESPN National, or not national, but the biggest sports company there is, comes out and says, these dudes can win the championship. They need more from John Conchar. They need more from John Conchar. Or they need to trade for somebody that's going to shoot the basketball. He played 37 minutes to Michael. I know in the next segment we're going to talk about your trip to New Orleans. You saw that dude play 37 minutes, just as much as Dylan Brooks, one minute more than John Morant. How many three-pointers did John Conchar take in 37 minutes? Do you know off the top of your head? Three three three-pointers. Three. Three. Three threes for a guy. Oh, well, he has such a strong shooting percentage. Oh, look (laughs) at these numbers. I'm going to show you my stats. He has a remarkable effective field goal percentage. I understand the game of basketball. Yeah, you do. But at the same time, in order for those percentages, you got to shoot the damn ball. And he's not. He's not. And here's the thing. Uh, You know, I was talking to him actually in shoot around. And I asked, you know, what, what changes for you, Desmond Bain out? And you know what he said? Oh, you would have loved this answer. He, he probably said, I got to shoot the basketball because I'm jitty. <laughs> That's, he said That's he a terrible John Conchar. He said he has to be more aggressive. And, you know, uh, I, I quite frankly, I expect it because there's a self-consciousness there. But then when I watched the game, because I watched the game twice, and um, 
you see him, you know, there were a couple times that you see like he one one of his shot attempts, he catches the ball at, a, at you know near his head and he lets it go. He doesn't relocate. So, you know, he had his mind made up at that point. I'm getting this shot off and it's going to get off fast. But there are other times where, quite frankly, teams know he's a shooter at this point and they identify, they identify that he can shoot. And once they do that, there's not a lot of room. So you have to attack closeouts better. You have to, you know, just do more off of the dribble, and he's not doing that. You know, uh, five shot attempts. We mentioned the three three pointers. I know. Uh, I think one was a transition layup, mm-hmm. was wide open, and the other yep. one was a put back dunk, right? Uh, where he got the put back dunk off the offensive rebound. So those were his two two point attempts: transition layup, put back dunk. Nothing driving to the basket where you're going into the teeth of the defense, right. forcing dribble penetration and things like that. So yeah, uh, you you need to see more of that from him. You need more offensive production. There's no denying that. And I th- I'm hopeful that John Conchar will come through. Again, he is being asked to do more than he should be asked to do. But the dude signed an extension. Next man up mentality. John, you're the next man up. You're the next man up. There's nobody else. They're going to a nine-man rotation and they're playing David Roddy. So our boy Jake LaRavia currently isn't in the mix for whatever reason. Maybe we can talk about that on tomorrow's show. But – I, I got to tell you, I need more three-point attempts from the guy that everybody says has a strong ability to score the ball and just needs to see more usage. Here's your shot. You got to take it. Thank you for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen today. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. Catch up on the biggest stories of the day in sports, plus get instant reaction, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Locked On Sports Today, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. When you come back to this episode of Locked On Grizzlies, we are going to have a wonderful opportunity to talk about DeMichael's tremendous trip down to New Orleans and some other things that he noticed from the Grizzlies game against the Pelicans there live in person down in the Big Easy. But first, I'm very excited about this, DeMichael. Uh, I don't know about you, DeMichael, and I've heard you talk about this before. It's a very personal situation. Um, I'm a very sweaty man, okay? And when I play basketball... I sweat a good deal. So while I might have to change a shirt a time or two, I know that I really want to prioritize not having to sweat so much because I'm going to run out of clothing at some point. I can fix my problem to an extent with sweat block. Sweat block wipes are invented by a doctor. They're guaranteed to work or you don't pay. They call it the sweat block dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. And sweat block, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to put you to the test on this bad boy. If you are like me and you sweat a ton and you want to have the opportunity to stop sweating so much or odor issues, for me, it's not the odor to Michael. I'm not very stinky. I just sweat. I'm going to try sweat block and so should you. Risk-free today. Save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. It is also available on Amazon. DeMichael, New Orleans, very fun town. Very jealous of you. I went down there this past uh, February for a coach's clinic, and it was a lot of fun. Hung out with a good friend of mine. It was right during Mardi Gras. So, uh, Saw some things that you know you, you leave in the big easy, uh, in, in terms of the craziness down there. Um, Obviously, you were there for work. Hopefully, like you mentioned earlier, you got to eat some good food and and enjoy that aspect of it. Uh, but from the Grizzlies themselves, we talked about Jaron, obviously, in the first segment. We talked about Desmond and replacing him 
And the second, I'm curious mostly about your experience watching John Morant in an opposing arena, because we've heard stories about him getting MVP chance, you know, in the garden and in Atlanta and these other places that probably didn't happen on Tuesday night, but you know, the highlight plays, the amazing passes, the dunks, what is it like watching Morant? Cause you watch him all the time at home, but he has thousands of admiring people there. When you go into an opponent's arena, what is it like to watch a superstar like John Morant take the floor and compete? Well, the first thing you notice is when he comes out for his warm-up, usually I think like 75 minutes before game time or so, somewhere around there, when Morant comes out, uh, you look in the away you know, opponent's tunnel just to see, one, how many people are going to be there. Uh, I'll never forget when we were in Atlanta last season, and it was, I mean, it was stacked, the fans in there. Job, job, it's a bunch of kids, job, and they all got posters wanting to get signed. Uh, quite frankly, uh, one of my biggest things from New Orleans was how big of a basketball town it is, is, is it really? I mean, you got the Saints, you got uh, the, the Bayou Bengals, the LSU Tigers, you know, as well are a big deal there. And I, I mean, the way it looked, I don't know. The Tulane Green Wave might be bigger than the Pelicans. Um, oh, oh yeah. that's cold. I, 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 cold I, world. I, maybe it was just because, you know, it was a, you know, it was a Tuesday. And, and you know, I'm, I'm just going to assume that's what it was. But it was a very light crowd for, you know, what you expect. You know, number one, number two picks. I mean, I don't think people knew, you know, Zion wasn't going to play until up to the final you know, hour or so before the game. Right. So you, you got two top picks that were expected to play and Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, you know, and, and, you know, Desmond Bain was on the injury report, but still, I mean, it was, it was a lot of talent on the floor. And these are two teams that are going to be around each other for a while, but that was a kind of a, you know, not so great takeaway. I, I, I think, you know, this, the, the upper bowl was, was pretty empty. Uh, uh, to say the least, but uh, especially for a national TV game. But the crowd that was there, don't get me wrong, they were into it. Uh, they were going at Ja and, and Dylan uh, pretty good over over the course of that game. And Ja feeds off of that stuff. You know, when when Jose Alvarado did the the too small gesture, you know, on him, I said it's it's oh he's gonna do it. Back. He didn't I, like that. I you said it. I said, I said he's cool gonna do it back. You remember uh, in the postseason last season uh, when when Patrick Beverly did it. You know, Josh's going to do it back, and he, he did it back, you know, a couple positions later. So, of course, with Alvarado, he drove to the basket, did it back on him. But, uh, but yeah, I think at the beginning of the game is where you really see it in, in that type of atmosphere. And and uh, the Pelicans fans, though, I will say the fans that were there, very passionate crowd. I mean, there were times where I'd be typing on my laptop, and I'd hear, like, this loud outburst. So I'd have to look up, like, man, what, what just happened? Like, did something did I just miss something crazy? Because the fan base, uh, they were really into the game. They didn't have the largest crowd there. They had a lot of empty seats, but the people who were there were very passionate about the Pelicans. And I'm saying that because they're like you said, I remember in Orlando, Ja got MVP chance at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn last season. MVP chance. Um, at his player intro in Madison Square Garden, he got an introduction that was comparable to the New York Knicks players. I mean. Uh, it's something we've seen time and time again. Uh, it much it was less of that in New Orleans, and they uh, the starness they it, they don't get faced by it. They got Zion, they got CJ, uh, they got Brandon Ingram. They have their own set of guys who you know get their their certain fanfare. So 
it was less of that in New Orleans and more of, you know, the villainous role for John Morant, which I thought is intriguing because that's something, you know, I think we're going to see more of, you know, think about Golden State. Uh, those people out there, they're not the biggest John Morant fans. He's not going to get the biggest roar when he goes out there. And it's going to be a similar situation in New Orleans over the uh, next few years. And maybe Dallas, too. I think Dallas is another one. Those three places really stand out as, as when, when John Morant goes into those places, he's really going to have to play the real villain role where uh, there are not going to be too many fans waiting to get that John Morant autograph. No, they're not super stoked. They're not super excited about that. I, I think that's a very fair point to make. And I do believe you'll see an increase of that villain aspect, not everywhere, but yeah. I do think that there's people that resent the Grizzlies and the way that they conduct themselves. They're dancing, you know, in the post-game pressers where they're all posing up like that and flexing yeah. and, you know, doing that stuff. Um, I don't really care about it. Uh, I, I don't think it's bad or good. You know, it's them doing what they want to do and, the Grizzlies have immaculate vibes, as we've talked about time and again. And I think that's just a manifestation of those immaculate vibes for this group of players. So I, I, I could take it or leave it. You know, I, I'm glad they're having fun, maybe is the best way to put it. And it's good to see that they enjoy being around each other because so many of us as adults hate our working circumstances. And it's it's a good thing when we are – not me and you, though. We love Locked On. And, you know, I, I just want to specify that. Sorry for our bosses if you're listening. I enjoy I do. Um, but I, I just want to stress that it's good to see them enjoying themselves. But for some reason, there's always people out there that hate what seeing people have fun, right? To Michael, they, yeah, they just yeah. they, the fun police are going fun to police. hate. The haters are going to hate. You know, we've heard that throughout, uh, you know, whether it was Taylor Swift or, uh, you know, Nas saying a version of that. You know, if you had on your locked on Grizzlies bingo card, Nas and Taylor Swift being mentioned, you just hit, you just hit bingo. Um, I think that I am curious to see as Morant starts getting more superstar calls, which is totally happening more. And maybe that's another thing we can talk about on a future episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, as Morant gets more of those, as he plays into the fact that, you know, opposing teams and opposing fan bases, they haven't won anything. Why are they acting like that? Uh, I do think you'll see more of that villain streak, but I agree with you that he's like Dylan Brooks and that I think it'll feed him. I don't know. It's going to negatively impact his psyche but i'm glad you had a great time to michael very happy for you glad you're back and i'm glad to continue to have the chance to talk grizzlies basketball with you here on lockdown grizzlies speaking of lockdown grizzlies thank you so much for making lockdown grizzlies your first listen today for your second listen today make sure you're checking out lockdown sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only locked on can provide Locked on Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. To Michael, on our next episode, let's, I had so much fun today. Let's do this again. Let's do this again tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the things that we touched on earlier. Maybe we can cover uh, yeah. a little bit of the conversation on the nine-man rotation and you know, kind of take a closer look at that heading into the Grizzlies game on Friday. Uh, that sound good to you? You know, people have been asking me a lot. Why, why, why isn't Jake Moravia? Why did he not Ooh, play that game? Not cool. We're, we're, we'll get into it. We'll get into it tomorrow, and, and we'll, we'll have that question answered for you. And I'll say one more thing before we get Ooh, out of here. One sure. more thing, please. Uh, if you've been following Joe Molnax on Twitter, you definitely should have had Taylor Swift 
on your locked on Grizzlies bingo. <laughs> very, very big Taylor Swift guy over there. I'm a Swifty. There's no denying that. I'm a big fan of Tay Tay. I did not get into the Ticketmaster line. I will stress that. I did not do that. Um, but, uh, you know, God bless everybody that did because it sounds like it was a nightmare. I don't deal with Ticketmaster. You know, that's that I are they a sponsor of ours? Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. oh no. No, I'm just kidding. I know they're not. <laughs> Until Ticketmaster is a sponsor of Locked On Grizzlies, I'm not going to give them any love. But if you are sweat block, I'm coming for you. I'm coming. I'm telling you right now. Uh, for DeMichael, I'm Joe. Excited to be back with you next time here on Locked On Grizzlies. But until that time, stay locked in.